0: You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network.
1: So you're a primary care provider and a preceptor, but you're not sure how to teach while you're providing virtual care. Or maybe you've deferred accepting an elective student or resident in your practice because of the pandemic right now and wondering if you should even think about having a learner at all in this next year.
2: This is primary care in a pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm a medical anthropologist working in primary care at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice.
1: And I'm Morgan. I'm a family doctor working in the inner city and faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU.
2: In this episode, we're going to explore how to supervise residents when your practice is moving to predominantly virtual care.
1: Our practices have changed and continue to change in this pandemic. Sarah, one of the things that we've been struggling with in our clinic is teaching. I mean, rather, we've had to bump it off a bit. There's so many changes happening uh, that to consider bringing on a new learner or student feels too much for some of us right now. We're, We're worried that we might not be able to teach properly. And we also want things to be safe and have a good learning experience for the students.
2: And Morgan, your clinic is not alone in this. Many of our preceptors are thinking the same things. From our survey of UBC department preceptors, we know that people are concerned about their capacity to teach and that they're worried about how it might impact their practice. It's already experiencing a lot of change.
1: These are real considerations. In my roles, I know that there are some great and talented people out there working through a lot of these issues. I think first, our our learners are being proactive and making sure that they get the best experience safely. We're thinking about teaching in our practices as preceptors. And while it might be daunting, I know there are good ways that we can ensure that the learners are developing the skills they need in this new normal phase and so that they can become effective clinicians throughout their careers. The training programs are active and working hard to ensure effective teaching. And they're looking at new models. And uh, we just had a really exciting symposium at the the university just last week. And, And then nationally, of course, there are people ensuring that we have good policies and expectations in place.
2: So there's a lot of work going on to support learners, and that's really important. Part of the purpose of this podcast is to try to bring tangible ideas to our audience, the primary care providers who are out there today. So in this episode, we're going to focus on the preceptor in all this change. First idea is that it's like being on call. Morgan, one thing I heard from preceptors is that the shift when you're working remotely is not as foreign as you might think. In fact, it's very similar to reviewing cases while on call, which many people are very used to doing. I think Alex Singer best described this to us. He's a family doctor and assistant professor in Manitoba, and he helped to write the CFPC's tips and tricks for precepting virtually. Link to this can be found in the show notes. His practice moved to 100% telehealth at the start of the pandemic.
0: But within the first week of the pandemic hitting Manitoba, we were doing everything virtually, and I was supervising residents suddenly from my basement. Because of the speed and unplanned nature of, of the transition, we went basically straight to telephone. We didn't have the opportunity to sort of set up any kind of video modeling, and there's a number of reasons why that transpired. At the end of the day, we went immediately to telephone.
1: Alex's practice is a teaching center where he generally supervises two or three residents and they're seeing patients first and he's usually in the back room available to teach and review cases. When he moved to virtual phone care, this changed a bit for him. It was, as you said, more like reviewing cases on call, even the working from home part, I guess. I was curious how often he reviews patients with the residents virtually and how often that resulted in him uh, having to phone back patients.
0: Probably initially, a third got phoned back and it got a l- little bit less, I'd say, as the weeks went on. On occasion, I would sort of say, well, I'm not totally comfortable with that. So, yeah, please call them back. And But more often than not, they got a feel for when they were comfortable. One of the residents, more often than not, would actually sometimes see two or three and then call me with a, with a batch. You know, let's discuss the two or three, especially if there wasn't anything like a prescription or a requisition involved, you know, if it was just someone checking in on a management plan that had changed last time, they would often just carry on, keep the flow going, and then call me and discuss two or three cases.
2: I can really see how batching visits could be a way to adapt your workflow to support residents as they provide virtual care to their patients while you also see patients and manage your office.
1: Yeah, I think that workflow is really different when you're trying to stay connected to your clinic and also review patients and see patients on your own. We also reached out to Dr. Christy Newton, who's a family doctor and associate professor and the medical director of the UBC Health Clinic, which is one of our teaching clinics and hosts a whole number of learners through the year. They've also moved to doing a lot of their care in telehealth and have residents working with them too.
3: So it's mainly what we do on call in that the resident does a virtual visit. Usually it's a telephone visit and then calls the remote preceptor to review the case. Uh, We provide our advice as best we can. Uh, Most of the remote preceptors have a video platform capability so that during that conversation, we can decide whether it's worth inviting the patient to a a video appointment, uh, whether we think it's necessary or whether the telephone appointment, so calling them back and and reviewing the, the management plan is adequate or whether we actually wanna say, you know what, do you have video capability? Because we think it would really help us to decide whether, and usually now it's whether we need to send you or not.
1: So Sarah, I think that's one way to do it. I haven't had a student with me in the last month, but I was also thinking about how I might do this in my practice. I think it would depend on the patient and the learner and how well the learner was already part of my practice. Uh, For a new learner, I would probably do more group visits, with the learner as part of the virtual encounter. I can do that in my telehealth app. Then we can move to more of a sequential visit where the learner sees the patient first and then I can meet afterwards virtually as well. And that's more like what I would do in person.
2: And that's really interesting. I'm wondering, Morgan, what do you think about the potential for observing residents virtually?
1: I can actually sit in with maybe with my camera off and observe the encounter much more easily than I would if I was there in person. So perhaps actually the telehealth will let me do more observation, which is something that I always want to do more of but can't just because of the flow of the office.
2: The second idea we wanted to explore was really thinking about how remote precepting can be used as an opportunity to take a proactive focus on particular patient subpopulations within a practice. For example, reviewing panels and identifying patients who could benefit from additional check-ins or chronic disease management follow-up.
1: And for some, it has been a bit of a slowdown in this area. I mean, particularly for things like chronic disease management and, and the routine follow-up. So I think that's a great opportunity for learners to be proactive and connect with patients who might feel a bit isolated. And as they follow up, they'll be able to start building relationships and care plans with patients. So I think this is a great way for residents, especially in July when they're starting, to be really proactive and build up their own panel of patients within the practice. Uh, Christy's been doing that at the UBC Health Clinic.
3: So can we shift to proactive, checking in with our frail elderly, checking in with some of our chronic disease patients that we probably should have been following up at near the three-month mark? We did that and residents started proactively calling and having a resident select, let's say diabetes, our list of patients with the diabetes diagnosis and literally going through them one by one to see when were they last seen? Was it within three months? So there's a lot of learning that can happen there with respect to care for a chronic illness and then also practice management.
2: So you can use this as an opportunity to guide residents to focus on being proactive with chronic disease care with patients. By ensuring follow-up, this is a good way for them to also develop their relationships with patients and their own panel of patients in your practice.
1: The last idea we wanted to talk about was tips for supervising and implementing virtual care field notes. I think field notes are... They're a good way to review in the moment, and I think it's probably a good way to review with our learners in near real time how things are working, especially with all this change. Alex Singer was really supportive of this, and he emphasized this in our conversation earlier. It's really meant to get people thinking
0: about this particular change in their practice and how they can teach in this new environment, and what are the kinds of things that are similar, what are the kinds of things that are different.
1: Alex is talking about a document he helped instigate at the Canadian College of Family Physicians on how to be a virtual preceptor.
0: And it's not the kind of document that you'll read and say, boy, this gives me all the answers. I hope it's something that people will read and say, now I can get my head around this problem. Now I'm a little bit more comfortable dealing with this level of uncertainty. And I think as family doctors, that's what we do well. One of our real strengths is management of uncertainty and this is yet an opportunity again to sort of use those skills that we've developed. And I think the college has a role in just promoting that to their members and saying, look, we're all in this together and this is a big change, but we can weather this and these things are things we have to think about. And if you think about these things, you can do a pretty good job supervising residents, even though there are some limitations introduced by doing it virtually.
2: And there are a bunch of really great things in the tips for supervising family medicine learners providing virtual care document that the CFPC put together with Alex's help. So we asked him what his favorite tip was in there.
0: I think my favorite tip is to really encourage a discussion with the resident at the time of when they present the case. And so I've had some really interesting conversations with residents. And I think it's the most fruitful discussions we've had in going a little bit beyond just the, you know, how do we manage CHF, but saying, how do we manage CHF on the telephone? What can you do in that patient's house that you would like to do in the clinic? And maybe what can't you do? And very quickly, you find yourself, and of course the resident, stretching a little bit. And you and I think that offers the opportunity to be innovative as well, and that's probably the thing that gets me the most excited
2: And it's great to think through some of the potential benefits in this transition to virtual care and supervision, recognizing that there's a good chance that we'll be in this new normal for an extended period of time, and that some aspects of this transition can be leveraged to really support learners and our patients.
1: And one of the other tips from Christy along these lines was, in the use of field notes, she found that they were helpful prompts for giving that rapid, constructive feedback to learners. The College of Family Physicians has a one-pager pearls of how to write uh, virtual care field notes, which is pretty helpful, and we've linked that in our show notes as well.
2: So that's it for this episode, some early experience about precepting in a pandemic. While many things will change, several pieces are going to be similar to what you've done before. You'll want to guide learners to high-value activities now with more virtual care, give them opportunities for continuity of care and maybe even build up their panel of patients. Give feedback and reflect on how it's working and use the field notes to help.
1: And Sarah, this is early days in in how to precept in this new normal. So I think this won't be the first time we look at this and there's a lot we're going to learn as we all get experience in teaching and learning in this new normal. And maybe because it's different, it's going to be a good learning experience. I think having our learners engaged safely in this massive change that's happening right now is very important. I mean, seeing how we adapt to this is, is truly, I hope, a unique experience for our learners, and it's an amazing learning opportunity. So for those of you who are out there precepting, thank you.
2: And thank you to both Dr. Chrissy Newton and Dr. Alex Singer for taking time and talking with us for this podcast.
3: This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network.